Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Church of God Network podcast. In today's episode, I sat down with Tim Reynolds, who is a fellow CGN board member and attends with the Living Church of God. The episode was recorded back in December 2020 at a Winter Family Weekend, and our topic was disagreeing in love. More specifically, we discussed the skills needed to disagree in love, and how to more effectively make, cultivate, and maintain relationships in the Church of God across different organizations and when dealing with differences of opinion. Hope you enjoy. So, um, we're referring to the book Crucial Conversations um, by Grenny, and I think a few other author- authors, mm-hmm. I don't remember. But that's been a really... Um, transformative book for me and that among a few other books that I've read in the past few years have really contributed to my emotional intelligence the development of that aspect as well as emotional courage Mm -hmm. and being able to have difficult conversations with people even with people that I'm at variance with but come away as friends in the midst of that and the the practical sort of application of that for the church within the context of disagreeing in love or being able to be around people you disagree with and maintain relationships is that I think there are some buzz phrases or cliches in the church where you you hear it a lot like waiting on God or disagreeing in love but it's never really defined specifically so people uh, inject into the phrase their own subjective interpretation of what that means or looks like um, in terms of they have their own arbitrary threshold of mm-hmm. what it's okay to disagree and love about and what's it not okay to disagree about, period. And um, also what it means, like what the in love part uh, actually refers to. Yeah, you talk about, mean? Yeah, you talk about the emotional intelligence side being a prerequisite for disagreeing in love. And I I would agree yeah. that you you need the capacity to understand yourself first and foremost and get from the exchange the proper and godly thing or, or maintain the relationship um, regardless of point of view. I guess, grant, granted, it's not something like the Sabbath or the Holy Days. Yeah, and even that, like, you know, you think about, okay, in the church you operate... Um, and cooperate with people that are outside the church. And they don't believe in the Sabbath. They don't Mm -hmm. believe in the Holy Days. They may or may not even believe in God. They may believe that abortion and killing babies is just fine, right? Like all these things that we might find uh, reprehensible, but you still are able to function, get along, cooperate to meet common interests and goals. Right. Um, I guess it's never okay not to do anything uh, that's not in love, right? right. Like yeah. it doesn't matter. You're, you're trying to live peaceably. Exactly. And so we, I think that's, if we can operate in that context, why is it sometimes so difficult to operate within the context of other brethren that are in perhaps other groups mm-hmm. within the body of Christ or even if in our own group or in our own congregation, mm-hmm. like you see, I'm sure anybody listening here is familiar or is a part of a conflict that's in their own local congregation mm-hmm. where either they are not speaking to the other party or the other party is not speaking to them or they've been witness to this mm-hmm. or they've experienced it at an earlier period in their life. Yeah, And so 
you, you see that all the time. So I think disagreeing in love is first off realizing that love is obviously a commandment given to us, right? To love one another as we will love ourselves, right? And so part of that in terms of the emotional um, intelligence parts part that you mentioned and I mentioned earlier comes from being able to examine yourself, be honest about your own faults, be honest about your own gaps and lack of understanding and take that sympathy that you might have for yourself and apply it to another person that ostensibly also has the spirit of God. You know, if you're recognizing them as a brother in a Christ of the church. And, it, and it's also, I, there's a phenomenon where we feel subconsciously compelled to demand agreement from people. And, mm-hmm. and if they, like you said earlier, if they don't agree, it's a personal rejection. And mm-hmm. then this dynamic kicks in where you're trying to convince the other person. Right. Well, you, you identify oftentimes with your beliefs or with what organization or group you're a part of. So it's not only that, for example, they, they are rejecting whatever opinion you have, they're rejecting you at a personal um, um, existential Mm -hmm. level. And I think a lot of people without taking some work to really examine that and realize that, just continue to function in that way. So everything is a conflict when there is a variance of opinion. Right. And I think it's, it's something, I think people think they're losing something in the other person when they're not in agreement. For example, you take something like whether or not you believe in church errors, right? There is a difference of opinion on that. I happen to believe in church errors. There are people who don't. Yeah. And when you, if, if we were to be talking with someone who doesn't and that comes up there. I think people go, well, I want to be able to agree with someone on this. Like I want to connect on this thing and I can't. And there's, I don't know, there's like something threatening about it or there's something, there's like a sense of loss that occurs instead of treating it as, um, why is that a, uh, a fundamental thing? Like, why does it need, I guess if, if we're, if we're taking this as a specific example in the church, I personally don't understand why people feel a need to be in absolute agreement on everything. Like in my experiences in college, my my mentor was a member of the the Green Party, like the super progressive mm-hmm. uh, wing of the left. And you know, I'm more libertarian, conservative, and but we loved each other because I respected in him his intellectual honesty. He had a different worldview, mm-hmm. but I respected where he came from. Mm-hmm. And I think he saw in me that I was trying to do the best I can. I was being honest in that my beliefs were genuinely held. I wasn't being partisan or I wasn't parroting like talking points and we respected the genuineness of the other person. And that's been replicated. I, I, since I live in New York, there's plenty of opportunities for this kind of stuff, but mm-hmm. a lot of my friends are the same way. We don't see eye to eye on every single issue, but as long as we can see the other person, it genuinely believes it and they did the work necessary to get there. Mm-hmm that is more of a connecting force than simple agreement. Like I, there are people I agree mm-hmm. with things on that I'm like, 
I don't know if you did your homework on this or if right. this is just like you've absorbed it from the church culture. And yeah. so like, I don't, I can't have an edit. I can have a better conversation with someone who I disagree with than you because I don't, maybe there's not a lot of depth there or maybe this right. is like you're just a cultural trapping of being in the church that you believe in the Sabbath or that interpretation of trumpets or Pentecost. Right. Well, it's, and that applies to anything. Yeah. Um, and you're right. Like some of the most personally fulfilling and rewarding relationships I have in my life, the exciting ones, the ones where you can talk for hours are with people that I disagree about a number of things on. Mm -hmm. But you touched on something there earlier. There is respect. There is underneath there a certain trust Mm -hmm. in the other person. Without that trust, you can't relationships operate to the degree that there is an underlying trust in the good intentions and motives of other people. Right. You transitioning into Lincioni? Huh? You transitioning into the advantage? Foundations of trust and all, all, the, dude, <laughs> all these things they they work and yeah. feedback and network into each other. Right? Yeah. Like I'm kinda I'm riffing on some concepts from a book called Crucial Conversations, mm-hmm. but also that le- feeds into works from Pat Lencioni, um, uh, oh, uh, especially the five dysfunctions of a team. I've read that one yet, yeah. uh, you got to read it. Oh. It's great within the context, this is a bit of an aside, but it's great within the context of a team reading it together, like a work team, or okay. I can, you know, it'd be awesome for a church or a small group to go through it or something. Like, I've never that thought would, of that. That, that would, would be, be cool incredible. for, like, the board maybe to do. Because we yes. haven't, because you know, we've only been around for a year and a half at, at the point of this recording. But yeah, it's sort of um, boards more from like startup boards in the early, just sort of okay, how do we make this happen? Yeah. And then it's about development, and you want to do more without putting burdens on people. But maybe right. like taking one really impactful book like this and, and building it in. And that's the thing I I forgot to mention yesterday, but I wanted to bring up was more. I think as a board, we should do a little bit more intentional team and relationship building. Um, Especially since there are people who don't know each other now. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And we're scattered across the country. So um, we can talk about that later. But um, five dysfunctions um, I've gone through with my team at work. And we're actually going to go through another round with the same team because it's evolved. Some people have moved on. Some people have come on. So Mm -hmm. we want to have this rhythm of going through it to build that trust. Mm -hmm. And Pat Lencioni's model, um, I don't know if the quote is from him, but he says that business runs at the speed of trust. Mm -hmm. Right? Trust is crucial to everything, anything getting done. So anyway, kind of reining it back to the, the theme of relationships and being able to disagree while maintaining love. Um, There's a point at which I I think the breakdown comes where at some point without consciously recognizing it, there develops a lack of trust Mm -hmm. and a lack of respect. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that's earned. Sometimes it's a breach of trust. Sometimes it's a perceived breach of trust, right? Like you think something happened a certain way, but there the other person's perspective and opinion on events may be completely different or very different in significant ways 
from your own and your experience of the event, right? Um, there may be, that may not even have happened. There are assumptions like, for example, um, I grow up in one particular organization of the church um, and I'm assuming based on hearsay and gossip and the divisions and lack of trust of other people that, oh, I cannot trust people in another organization. Right? Well, that's, that's, what I, that's what I was thinking of is that so that you're you're bringing up a really fascinating point because uh, at the beginning of CGN, one of the things I thought about a lot was that me growing up in a very small independent group, we stayed in worldwide a long time mm-hmm. in uh, Everyone, no matter what your situation was, had impressions of the other mm-hmm. groups. And realizing intellectually, well, that's not really honest. That's not that's not um, that's hearsay. There's no information there. I do not know for myself what um, whether these stereotypes are true. So it was one of those like just wipe the slate clean, right? So okay, what are what's the reality of things? Right. And I've always had a uh, we've talked about this. I always had a, a soft spot for the Living Church of God, and, and because. I got to know people there. I got to know people like yourself. And then I would hear people in other groups uh, spout the cliches or the stereotypes about living. Like, no, that's not like, there might be some people, right. but it doesn't match your personal experience. You're, 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 you're making it seem like it's this monolith. Like it's one, everyone is just this way. And the, the core issue of, of trust, I think what happened in the initial splits is that you had, obviously you had a, a leadership vacuum to, to one extent or the other, um, and the the secondary leaders in the church, um, due to when leaders broke off or interpersonal differences, you had breaches of trust, mm-hmm. like you were talking about, like occurrences that happened or maybe a personal history where they didn't trust sure. the person. Now you have a thing where it's been 25, 30 years, and it's not that there have been breaches of trust, it's that there's been no trust established. There's There's been no effort to seek common ground or to build bridges or rebuild that trust. Right. But like if, if you're our generation or maybe even a little bit uh, older, yeah. it's not like there were instances you can point to, like if I'm in UCG and someone else is in living or at a personal level we're speaking of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's not like, you know, I didn't, I, growing up in, in worldwide for a long time and then being independent, I didn't have an occurrence with someone in a different group mm-hmm. that broke my trust. Mm-hmm. I just, because of distance, never established trust. Mm-hmm. So if if that's the reality of things now and you start to have people come in contact with one another or like maybe from afar, mm-hmm. see a group, you said relationships or you said businesses move at the speed of trust. Yeah. That it doesn't matter that we didn't have trust breaking right. uh, actions or events we have never done the work to establish it. So we're yeah. like, we're stagnant because yeah. unless you and I get to know each other, um, we're not going to be able to start that process to then go and build off of. Exactly. And that's also why the personal aspect of it comes into play as well. Like, cause you can get on the internet and you can read, right. you know, opinions from hate websites or just an opinion from one blogger or an article from, uh, from another. Mm-hmm. But it completely changes the game when you reach out and you actually say, for example, go to living's winter family weekend Mm -hmm. and start meeting people and having, um, some, uh, 
significant conversations about some difficult emotional topics Mm -hmm. and then building those connections and being honest and coming at it with open hands and a certain degree of vulnerability to invite other people into that that space of vulnerability so that really what's occurring is that you're building safety Mm -hmm. so that people can start to connect and can't can uh, actually the crucial conversations book talks about the pool of meaning, and so it's like you're trying to contribute to the pool of me pool of meaning, and you're trying to come at it with, okay, I have this story in mind of events or what reality is based on my experience and perception. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm putting that into the pool. But also, can you elaborate on the pool of meaning? I, I the pool of meaning. Like five really, years ago, I don't remember that part. Sorry, it's just um, the pool of meaning is really like the shared context of what you both are bringing to the table in terms of conversation and relationship, okay. effectively. Okay. So it's like you're all here. This discussion is me coming to you, and I'm placing. Um, my experience and perspective and opinions into this shared pool mm-hmm. you're placing yours there too okay. and you're filling it up so sure. to speak i'm probably getting it wrong some way but that's <laughs> that's what i remember okay. off the top of my head okay. but um it's really just about contributing to to the shared meaning that's coming mm-hmm. from uh the conversation that you're having so i forgot my original point with that but um Oh yeah, so uh, you can at a very impersonal level read opinions online or hear gossip and hearsay or you could reach out and build connections in person by, for example, what you did a few years back attending the Winter Family Weekend with Living, actually meeting people, introducing yourself, putting yourself out there, being vulnerable um, that invites other people to feel safe and mm-hmm. become vulnerable as well. And so you connect. And so you're establishing trust and relationship. And with that, you are starting to build the rapport and the basis upon which you can even have the capacity to disagree and still remain friends. And maybe change your mind. In and, because yeah. because the thing is, in when, when you don't have the trust established mm-hmm. and then you get into a... a a conversation where there's disagreement because that's another thing we do a lot in the church where people will go people will say to me oh well i went i went to visit another church and they just they wouldn't have it they like they kicked me out and they weren't hospitable and you find out well it's because they went in to the conver- the congregation and immediately started talking to people about their pet doctrinal difference between them and the church right and like well that's not productive or they're 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 coming at it that's a good example actually of a, an unhealthy way to agree or disagree in love. They're coming at it with an agenda. They're coming at it with the agenda of, you know what, you're wrong. You're assuming they're wrong in the first place. You're assuming you're right. Um, and you're God's gift to the church. That's going to save everyone. And, um, you are going to come in and convince them with, with your words and your opinions. Well, that's the thing. The, the goal becomes convincing. It becomes like uh, yeah. compelling into compliance or it becomes, um, well, just 
Because I think it, the word agenda, I know what you mean, and there is an agenda. It's more, I think it's subtle. I don't think people take the time to think about the fact that that is actually what their agenda is. Yeah, and I'm speaking to both the the conscious and the unconscious. Right. Because people do this at both levels, right? Yeah. And, the, and I think the thing becomes... People, I don't want to say people don't take the long game, but it, if the emphasis is on getting to agreement first and foremost, you're, you're putting the cart before the horse. But if you mm-hmm. if you establish the relationship, you realize, oh, okay, Tim's not a bad guy, Dan's not a bad guy. Uh, they're I like I at some level trust who they are and trust the fact that they are at least trying, right? Like you trust God's Holy Spirit in that person that yes. okay. We might. I don't even know where they stand. I don't know if we agree or disagree on things, but right. I know they're they're at a core level trying to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Then, when when a disagreement comes up, you are much more prone to listen, right? And and be able to navigate that civilly. And I will say from experience, much more open to hearing what the other person has to say and mulling it over with the thought that okay, is this correct or incorrect. Whereas if, if you haven't established the trust and all you have is a stereotype and you come mm-hmm. in and whether it's your fault or the other person's fault, you get into a disagreement, then you start that from, I know who this person is. Right. This person's a UCG or an LCG person and they are this way. You're you're looking at this label that you've already applied in your head. The filters the, the filters in yeah. place and yeah. but once that's gone, you st- you then start to think about the argument or the statement on its own merits. Right. And I've experienced that in the church, I've experienced that in terms of, you know, I have a pet interest in economics and political theory, so there are guys who, you know, I'd start getting reading their work or getting into them. Like okay yeah, I, yeah. The, 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 these guys sound reasonable. They have the the credentials. You can entertain the thought at right. least, and, and then all of a sudden they hit you with something that you've never thought of. Mm-hmm. And I've had moments like that where like okay, that was so compelling. Mm-hmm. I have to I have to look into that. I have to revisit that issue. And sometimes you go okay, well no, there's another side of it. I actually don't agree with that. And sometimes you go no, that changed that. This changes yeah. how I think about this and issue. You grew now. from it, and you grow. And we're compelled to grow. And I think anyone who has either gone through personal trauma or trials that lead to growth or someone who's been in the workplace in a dynamic work environment Mm -hmm. knows that growth only comes through, um, not only through work, but like through um, uncomfortability and through a certain extent, healthy conflict. Yes. That, that you need you need to be able to sit down with someone and hash out disagreements and bring all the information to the table mm-hmm. and let the truth win out to like paraphrase paraphrase Thomas Jefferson I believe it was he yeah. said um, you should put all the truth on the table right. or all the information on the table let the truth went out um, and uh, I tend to quote that a lot and I should probably get the quote exactly right mm-hmm. it's just it's very useful but um it's a it's a truism and especially in I think in the church and in, in the workplace that I think we're very hesitant to give honest feedback mm-hmm. oh absolutely and it's been a chore to be like okay I'm bringing something to the table like so we were talking about the website redesign the other day yeah. and I'm going like I really want Tim to try to destroy this like I really want him to be like okay I don't like this I don't like right. that because the last thing I want is to put a product out there right and then after it's been out for six months, have some other people go, 
wow, yeah. that bot, that part of the, that's a, that's really poorly designed. Like right. this is an eyesore. I don't like going to this. Well, I yeah. would like to have avoided that by hearing Tim's input or Chantel's input or, right. Cor- or Corbin or Isaac or Carmine's input. And um, because the, the underlying assumption is me, Daniel Russo does not know everything. I, I can't know all the information. The only way I can get more information Imagine is, that. To, yeah, <laughs> is, to, is to bring other people, even though I am from New York, I don't know everything. I know most things. Oh, New gosh. Yorkers know most, most things, but we don't know everything. We need other New Yorkers to help us. <laughs> but okay. but it's like it it should I think to a I'm pro- rolling my eyes here from Tennessee yeah. you know? <laughs> I, I think to some at some level it's it's obvious right that you you don't know everything you need other people and their input yeah. to to fill out the picture right um, but I think what we do especially in the church is okay we're gonna Uh, do a project or start a new church or whatever it is and the people who are quote brought into the conversation to discuss how to do it all agree on how to do it (laughs) or they agree that what you're even doing fundamentally is already the right Right. thing they're already bought in and you're not seeking okay what would somebody who completely fundamentally doesn't even agree with this say and is there merit to what they're saying right and and it's one of those so let's say that happens, right? You're, you're, you're doing this thing in the church. You're doing, a pro- again, a project or, or a, a church organization or, or you're analyzing how you do a certain thing. And everyone who's on the leadership team or who gets brought in to, to work on this thing mm-hmm. comes together and you're yeah. all you know in agreement. Or it seems like maybe you're all in agreement. Right. You're having a conversation. No one's giving pushback. Like, yeah, this is a good mm-hmm. thing to do. I think the problem is that, that that's not a red flag for a lot of people. Because <laughs> I, I know for me yeah. – going through what I've been through in in work and in the church and things, that's like alarm bells go off. Right. Like someone's not being honest with me. Yeah. Someone is, is holding back or, um, we are too insulated. We've all been thinking about this together too much. We need other people's opinions. And Mm -hmm. even if maybe, maybe we're even right about the way we want to do something until you've found someone who gives you the opposing side and what the opposing viewpoint might be on how to do the initiative, yeah. you're not doing your due diligence. Like you need to find, you need people to disagree um, with you and to get all the potential viewpoints um, before you should feel comfortable moving yeah. forward. You know where I saw what we're describing actually happened was at work actually. Um, I work at Ramsey Solutions and we had, in recent months, we had a few decisions that have affected the entire team that were, uh, controversial and uh, our um, chief information officer um, you know he was continually probing like getting feedback sending out some emails talking to people and he sent one email that I, I remembered and I kept that was very striking because in it he said hey you know I'm not getting a lot of pushback I'm not I, I forget the exact phrasing mm-hmm. but he's like I'm not getting like disagreement and that really bothers me because I know yeah there's there's got to be something I, I do not believe in an organization of this size that everybody is just yeah. okay completely so I'm asking you to exercise the emotional courage to please come to my office send an email this says that you're not gonna get in trouble that's you're really not, healthy. Yeah. yeah. 
that's and, and I see that kind of behavior coming from that organization over and over again. Um, one of the reasons I love lo- working there, but I've seen healthy models of that happening. Mm-hmm. I don't know. This is a bit vulnerable to say, but I don't know that I see healthy models of that happening across the Church of God. Very few. And that really bothers me. There are some. I think it's one of those. Um, and, and another lesson to the, the whole navigating the Church of God is that it's about individuals. Like there are no groups don't have. Um, yes. Groups aren't things. Groups aren't people. They're com- composed of people. They're, yeah. they're, and, and so the there are definitely ministers, there are leaders, there are people who, who have that emotional intelligence, who, who do seek those things out. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you. I don't think the, the cultures of these organ of the organizations that operate within it, or we as a body across organizations, Even individually, individually. Yeah. 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 Like that. Yeah. I think it, yeah. you can, you can, you can make statements about on the whole, right? Like whether or not right. there's a general problem. And I, and I, yeah, I agree with you. I think that's not something we value necessarily explicitly yeah. as a church but i you want to touch on and uh, on something and i want to interject a bit i don't want to say that and it coming off like i'm indicting an organization or a group or whatever oh, no no it's what the whole it is thing. It's the really whole is like th- th- what this whole thing for me is a call to action to the individual person do work on yourself it all starts with you to be able to Build emotional intelligence, self-awareness, the ability to be vulnerable, the ability to build trust and relationships, to suspend your own beliefs and opinions and assumptions for a second, just enough to listen to another person and perhaps give the benefit of the doubt to another Mm -hmm. person. Because that's where the change starts. It starts with you, and ultimately that comes down to how you relate to God as well, mm. right? And express love at the individual level with everyone that you meet. And and how you read and internalize scripture. Yes. Because you should be doing the same thing. Like really, even in a vacuum, even if it's just you, you should be challenging your own assumptions mm. yeah. all the time. And you, you should be doing that on a regular basis. And you should be looking at, you should be reevaluating your own beliefs and are they backed up by scripture on a regular basis? And, and I think the thing about, um, you know, you go back to your example about uh, Ramsey and, and, and um, healthy conflict. I don't remember if it, I think it was Lencioni um, talking about the advantage or it might've, might've been on a podcast he was doing where he talks about um, you also need to reward people for giving you critical feedback. Yeah. That you can't positive. Yeah. You, yeah. you can't say you want it. And then give all the indications that you're not really pleased with it. Right. Or you, you can't retaliate against them. Yeah. Uh, I, he talks about um, uh, an exercise he does at his organization where the, the leadership team sits around. I think it's a monthly thing. And they go around the room um, and they they st- each person states about the person who they're focusing on at that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, what they bring to the table as uniquely good. Mm-hmm. And then they go around the room again to each person Mm -hmm. and say what that person uh, uniquely struggles with that is bad for the organization. Mm -hmm. And the person who gives the best critical feedback Mm -hmm. gets like a specific reward Mm. or like not, I don't say a prize, but like some sort of benefit. Yeah. So like there's an incentive and then 
even if it's just social recognition or approval, that's sure. huge. But then, you know? but then he goes, and it, then we start with me, like yeah. Lincioni. We start with a leader. The the main guy owns it. Right. Like, okay, destroy me first. Right. And of course, you you don't do it maliciously. You don't no. you don't act like a jerk when you're doing it. It's more of hey, you're really cynical, and that rubs off on me, and yeah. it makes the the tone of the office negative when you get into one of those moods, and. These are things that that help the church function on a day to day basis. If like you're in the headquarters of a one of the bigger groups, it helps navigate the um, disagreeing in love uh, dynamic on a personal like one to one basis. Mm-hmm. But these are also like fundamental to our conversion. Like, yeah, marital relationships should operate this way. Oh gosh, re- if you re- can't learn to disagree in love and you're married. You like how are you? (laughs) You're not gonna last long. Kids and family dynamics. Like I I remember the one of the most impactful things for me growing up was uh, when I remember we're at the house I grew up in and we had brethren over, and I was watching my parents and them talk about uh, you know whatever interesting thing was going on in the church and what they were navigating, uh, which I always loved to do as a kid. And then my dad turned to me and went, "What do you think?" And I seriously was probably like six or something or seven. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? Like, and he goes, well, like we care about what you think. Like, what do you, what do you think about this? And I gave your my mind is blown. And you're like, yeah, what? well, I seriously <laughs> like to this day, yeah. I joke with him. I go, and and since then I haven't shut up. Like I, I never stopped to tell you what I, and, and, but that, that, that fateful day, he yeah. just made the biggest mistake. Yeah. In life. <laughs> but that's, but that's such an important thing to be cultivating in, in families. This idea that everyone's opinion matters and that if you have a problem with like uh, with me or something bothers you or, or something is hurting you, bring it to our attention. Right. And even if we disagree, like even if hey yeah. maybe you're seeing maybe you're looking right. at this the wrong way, the person needs to feel okay bringing that up because again we're going into another interesting side subject, but it's integrally related to this, and that is um, in uh, I believe it's healing the shame, which is the book I referenced to you mm-hmm. last night. Uh, by John Bradshaw, mm-hmm. he talks about a, a phenomenon in families where, um, oh no, this is I think this is Family Secrets, which is a, a distinctly different book, where there's a phenomenon called Family Secrets, where mm-hmm. there are these things that everyone in the family knows what's going on. Everyone knows dad has a drinking problem, or there's infidelity going on right. in marriage, or there's, um, you know... Uh, some uh, dad struggles with anger or mom struggles with depression. Elephant in the room. So yeah, elephant in the room. Yeah. There's, there are these elephants in the room and kids try or maybe even one of the spouses or like, people in the family on occasion try to like bring it up. Mm-hmm. But then they're crushed instantly. Yes. We don't talk about that. Or or they're gaslighted. Nothing's wrong. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, and then you're made to feel like you're crazy. And Yeah. yeah. Or, or um, someone gets really emotional because there's something... Uh, traumatic going on in the family. Why are you crying about it? There's nothing to be sad about. And you just, you, you invalidate the reality of the situation because the pe- people in this, yeah. in the family unit are trying to prop up yeah. uh, the essence of who they are. Like they don't want to have to, to confront these challenging parts. Of themselves. It, it's challenging to face that pain and work through it and deal with it, whatever it is, you know, right. it, it could, it could, I say pain, which sounds dramatic, but it could just be something simple, like something is just dysfunctional in some right. way. Right. And if you what don't address it, it compounds. Though. It compounds, yeah. If, if it's not addressed, then it just gets worse and worse and worse. Um, and then two, you mentioned 
the reality sometimes it's not even the reality it could just be solely the perception of the individual but still if you react in that way where you're just denouncing them Mm -hmm. or completely dismissing their feelings that's not healthy that's not love that's not exercising care and concern for what they're feeling and what is reality in their mind yeah right and uh that's just not loving One of the things I've learned about myself um, in my relationships with with my family, um, and so, you know, some of my romantic relationships, but me and my brother um, go through this a lot where um, we'll get into conversations or maybe arguments or something. And I I recognized a couple of years ago that I have a tendency to steamroll, as I call it. Yeah. That, you know, I I like to talk, but even when I'm really in in good faith trying to be open and confront an issue like maybe in the family or or with an individual person, I will talk for like five minutes. Like I'll talk and I'll be maybe I'll be articulate and I'll be clear and I won't be lying and everything. But it'll be so much information coming at the other person. Like they haven't, they've forgotten the first thing I said. Like I'm overwhelming them without realizing it. You're overwhelming them with information and data and facts or whatever or it's not and i might not necessarily be be like arguing a point i might be saying to them like hey i've noticed something in our dynamic and it's bothering me but if you talk for five minutes straight that's not overwhelming no you're not in dialogue as the book would put it right yeah or i'm not i'm not setting the other person up to to also contribute and and um and feel i guess heard but it's not intentional. Like there are things I did I've yeah. done that I've that like yeah, it's a problem of mine. I need to address this. I'm not doing it the right way. But that when I made that realization, like oh, that's yeah. completely unintentional. Yeah. But it does make you know Steve or the the girl I'm yeah. dating. It makes them feel um, right, like smashed it does, in, yeah. or intimidated, and that that's a perception thing. It that's some safety. Right, and that's that's something that is not malicious on my. It's not like yeah. in the example we used, it's not like a, it's a, an infidelity thing or anger or I'm I'm not willing to confront a part of myself. It's like an accidental habit that you get into. It's just normal, but it can be internalized. Yeah. It's like trauma or yeah. or a big issue for someone yeah. in a family dynamic or a romantic dynamic or like yeah. in a church dynamic. All these yeah. things scale up to the workplace yeah. and the church, and. So, and I will, I want to interject just a second. So, and it's good that you recognize that on your part and now you're aware of it. So you can recognize when that's triggered, like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I've been talking nonstop for the past two and a half minutes. This person is shutting down. You're noticing their body language and state and they're being quiet. And you can just, if you're aware and you're paying attention, you could recognize those moments. Mm -hmm. On the flip side for them, they can also recognize, and if they've built trust with you, they can give a little grace and say, okay, well, I know I I trust the intention of Dan's heart, and now it's upon me to express this and build up a little bit of boldness and courage to speak back and in turn say, okay, Dan, you're doing that thing again that you do, and can I just speak for a minute? And if you both come to the table with that maturity, then the sky's the world is your oyster. The sky's the limit. Like what you can do with that dynamic between two people and engage mm-hmm. in that healthy conflict. 
Uh, and that's and it's incredible. And there's another there's another um, level to that because I can go in and go, okay, well I've recognized that about myself. Yeah. Um, but you know they need to say to me when they have a problem. I. But it, and it is true. Yeah. But you have to incentivize it. Like yes. I have to when when Steve or the the girl I'm dating or my parent if I was a parent or a friend yeah. who I'm talking with when they do muster up the courage yeah. to, to say something I can't get angry you yeah. know like I can't I can't invalidate I can maybe I might be able to disagree yeah. with that like you know what I'm not hey you know you're you're you just said that um I'm bullying you like I'm I'm not doing like I'm not yeah. trying to do that. But I can see, like that's I pro- like that's an accident. I'm sorry. I can see how that's yeah. that's happening. You don't need to agree with the person necessarily, but you cannot make them seem like they're crazy, right? Like you you have to you have there's, to let them express what yeah. what they're what they're feeling, even if you might disagree. There's and I keep coming back to crucial conversations because, like to me, a lot of what this book provides is tactics and conversation skills that allow you to in the pragmatic practical sense exercise love in disagreement right Mm. um so part of that you hit on a few things for one thing you recognize you're in the midst of a crucial conversation you're recognizing um first of all you're you're probably at a variance of opinions right emotions are high there's tension you're recognizing in that moment, okay, I have a tendency to get angry or I might react in anger. So I need to stop and pause, breathe and cool myself Mm -hmm. down for a second so that I can come at this from a loving angle. Mm -hmm. And then two, you want them to engage as well. So if they're saying, Dan, you're being a bully, you could say, this is straight out of the book. Like, uh, I don't want you to think, that I'm angry or that I'm being a bully, I'm actually trying to achieve this mm-hmm. with you. And I want to, I want your feedback too, but honestly, here's what I think this, that, and the third, and then invite right. them back into the dialogue as well. And you just have differences. Another thing too is sometimes you just have differences of, of upbringing or culture or pro- personality that are, sure. that are not, um, laden with moral connotations, they're just they just are they just are, and but but they become serious points of conflict when you come up against someone who does not communicate that way or does yeah. not express things the same way. Like yeah. you know, our good mutual friend Dan, like him and I are like the same person when it, when it comes to this stuff. And so we can sit here, yeah. and I'm hoping to get him on the podcast, but we can sit here and we have like and just I argue is a, like a negative word. But we've had conversations where we've disagreed the whole time for like two hours. Yeah. And we're both invigorated after it. Like that was awesome. I, I Other Dan is, I consider him one of like my best friends. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the most rich, rewarding yeah. com- uh, relationships because we can hang out on a Saturday night, have drinks and talk till like 3 a.m. Yeah. And sometimes we're agreed. Other times we're in complete disagreement. Other times we're just hashing out an issue until we come to some re- resolution or mm-hmm. shared understanding or whatever, you know, and that's, that's, 
enriching it's invigorating and, you know? and I think you're also similar in that way and that the, the three of us and there are other people in my life that are that mm-hmm. way and you know I recognize I'm a product of like my father my father's the same way yeah. like the same personality and so I get energy yeah. I get enjoyment out of disagreement mm. and like fiery sometimes not like sometimes. yelling but like not negative passionate. not antagonistic yeah, passionate, passionate. Yeah. yeah but but I have recognized and I know a lot of people really great people yeah. who see that and they see anger and conflict and that's not where it's coming from it's just a personality difference but i recognize that if i'm not careful like yeah. i come across really intensely i yeah. that took me a long time in, in, in my life to come to realize and and the other person goes like they just they get, like, like put on their heels yeah because they don't know how to it's they not the way they communicate to, you know, yeah but and that's the thing going back to how we deal with each other in the church is mm-hmm. that it's not their responsibility to learn how to deal with me right not in my head like they should right mm-hmm. every but everyone has that responsibility to go how do i make this relationship work right it's not you don't go into if you're a member of lcg or ucg you don't go into a, a cargo congregation and go it's their responsibility to deal no, with me it's ridiculous <laughs> no <laughs> yeah and and, and but I, I think so many people like they they're whether they realize it or not, they they assume that oh well, right. I'm it's subconscious. Yeah. I'm not being received warmly or whatever, yes. or this or that happened. Like, well, what? How did you come at it? Right? Did you risk yourself? And I'm thinking of the example of, let's say you go to a new church congregation, and. Um, nobody's talking to you or you just kind of feel like a, a cold example. vibe in the room. Like, okay, th- there are a few ways to react to this. Um, you could go in there and you could just do nothing and wait for somebody to reach out to you and then come away and have a bad experience. Mm-hmm. Or you could go in and you'd say, okay, well, no one else seems to be comfortable putting out the effort. Maybe I'll just go look around for another person that's alone, or maybe I'll look for a couple of people and just interject myself, reach out my hand or now in COVID land, you know, just do a fist bump or whatever, (laughs) whatever you do um, and introduce myself Mm -hmm. and break the ice. Now that's, that can be scary and risky really intimidating yeah it could be really intimidating but um you have to remind yourself that god's spirit isn't one of fear it's one of love and that's an exercise in love by risking that and putting yourself out there and making the effort and that may you know what there there's no guarantees that may be met with might be a, a bad, bad interaction reaction. yep you may have to get through two or three rounds of those before you get a good reaction. But you right? don't. And I was, I was, I'm glad you, you went here because I was going to go to the same thing that you you engage in this process of yeah. putting yourself out. For example, you know, visiting new places or mm-hmm. meeting new brethren. You you go and you try to establish these relationships, and if one, a couple of them are awkward, okay, or you go there and maybe like for me, it's not necessarily as difficult. I have no problem going into a new congregation and like 
interrupting a conversation and saying, Hey, I'm, I'm Dan Russo. How are you doing? I saw examples of that yesterday. So. Yeah. yeah. And, and, <laughs> yeah. and so like, but like, I also recognize, I think a lot of people like that. I think a lot of people like meeting it new people. It takes the burden off, of, off them. of them. Yeah. Yeah. And, but so, but I recognize not everyone has that skill set and personality. Yeah. Like I'm an extrovert. I think one of my, yeah. E- ESTJ, whatever the the executive, yeah, uh, yeah, right. uh, Myers Briggs. Well, it, it's funny but, you mentioned that and mentioned what you talked about earlier because you know you're an extrovert, you're more of a mm-hmm. gr- aggressive personality, like mm-hmm. almost a stereotypical northeasterner. Yeah, like yeah. Um, other Dan is too. I am not naturally, actually, believe it or not. I grew up with. Um, especially like I got into my teenage years, I was very self-conscious. I was always nervous about what other people thought. I, it scared me to death to go up to a different group of people or a group of people I didn't know. I would think in my head, oh, I'm bothering them or they don't want me around. They don't know me. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that, you know. So it took years of work to come to the point where I am now. Oh, yeah, in conflict, like just to see like a quote unquote argument mm-hmm. between like you and Dan, mm-hmm. like that would have been like I, I would have just seized up yeah, and yeah. like my body would have tightened mm-hmm. and I wouldn't speak and I'd be completely uncomfortable in that situation. Mm-hmm. Or in other situations, I, I, my natural default is avoidance where I have a conflict mm-hmm. and I just avoid the person or avoid the topic um, and I try not to w- make waves that way, which makes things worse, right? Mm-hmm. Or there's the unhealthy reaction of just hiding yourself where you have a friend. They may not even really know the real you or what you really think because you're just going along to get along. They say things or they spout opinions or whatever that you truly actually don't agree with, but you're just going along to not cause To not have a com- uh, conflict yet. All that to say... I'm coming at this from the opposite end of the spectrum, leaning into that to develop those skills and to develop that emotional intelligence, to develop that emotional courage. And I've done so much work. And I'm not saying this here to, to prop myself up or promote myself. I'm saying it to say there's but it takes hope. work, but it also, it takes work. It takes work and there's hope. And, and you can do it. And the thing that I've been thinking about through all this is that you, so let's say you're someone who, who it doesn't come naturally to mm-hmm. you don't. Cause like you said, it will be uncomfortable when you're building the skill. It will be uncomfortable to do it. It'll be horribly very uncomfortable. horribly uncomfortable, <laughs> yeah. but you know what? We don't do it because it's comfortable or do it. We do it because we're commanded to mm-hmm. like yeah. you look in, you look in scripture. Scripture is not silent on the need right. for us to be unified. Yeah. Not believe the same thing, yeah. but unified right. in, in spirit, unified in loving one another and, and helping, submitting one to submitting, another, helping each other, your brother better than serving yourself. each other. And we're, there's no way to get around it. And so once you see that that's the reality, like what now? Okay. Well, we all have to become uncomfortable for the sake yeah. of building the skills necessary to, to start moving the needle on that issue. Yeah. And the... Um, also too counted among the people that will not be in God's kingdom are cowards right Right. and that applies emotionally just as anything else Mm -hmm. probably more so but it is also so but it's so rewarding though when you put in the time and effort and work 
and then you see a result or people respond positively. Yeah. And yeah. and you can, and your whole demeanor and vibe changes too. I mean, right. going back to that example, maybe you were coming into that congregation or group of people, whatever, putting out a vibe that was not inviting and you just don't know it. Yeah, they were all saying, you know, you're thinking, wow, the congregation was really cold and everyone else in the congregation is going, man, that guy who came in here was really standoffish. Right. Like Absolutely. Someone's, someone's got to break that. Someone's got to break the cycle. Someone's got to do the pattern interrupt. And that can be you. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, if you are that person, this is a little off topic, but I think it, 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 it's within the realm of what we're talking about. Um, if you do that, your demeanor changes. The spirit, the vibe, the mojo, whatever you want to talk, whatever you want to call it, that changes. Your posture changes. Your body language changes. Everything changes. And then from then on, you start realizing, oh, it seems like my normal experience is people are inviting. They are friendlier. Because what you're, engaging, what yeah. you're engaging in, is, as far as I can see, is faith. Yeah. You're having faith in God, and you're having faith in godly principles and what mm-hmm. God expects of us. And more importantly, you're having faith in God's Holy Spirit in the people around you. And when when we as a body operate from this perspective of, I'm not going to talk to people in that group. There's no getting through to them. Mm-hmm. Or uh, you, maybe you're a, a leader or a minister and go, well, I can't tell people in my congregation to go to that group because... They, they're going to get deceived or their people there are going to be a bad influence. You're not having faith in God's Holy Spirit in yourself, in the people that maybe you're, you're uh, preventing from visiting. Or if you're judging people in another group, you're not having faith in God's Holy Spirit in that group of people that, yes, you know what, let's say you're right about your belief on a given doctrine. If you believe they're part of the body of Christ then they have the capacity to see what you say. They right. have the capacity to grow and and change their understanding. Now, if you look at a different group and go, they're not part of the body of Christ, that's a much larger issue, yeah. much more fundamental. But I think the vast majority of the people within the Church of God um, community yeah. don't think people in other groups don't have God's Holy Spirit. They just think they're off base on certain things. And we've had these these like unintentional, some intentional, but some unintentional walls created. Mm -hmm. And, but when you exist, like you said, within those walls, it's not only is it fear-based, but it's, it's actually showing the lack of faith. Yeah. Agreed. A hundred percent. I, I, I kind of want to share this example too. Again, I want to, I want to bring it back to some, you know, it's fun to talk theory, but also too, like, how do you actually do these things? So very recently, this happened a couple of occasions. Um, a friend calls me up and they say, Hey Tim, what's going on? We chit chat for a while. And they're like, Oh, well I'm now attending this other organization because of X, Y, and Z. Right. And they're sharing with me. They're, they're telling me about it and I can share my reaction. Uh, it's usually some variation of, okay, well tell me more. Why? You, you've probably heard of the five whys. Like, I really want to engage with them know. and ask why. Okay, why? Why? Because first, I'm just trying to... I really understand. want to understand where they're coming from. I think that's just basic friendship, mm-hmm. right? You know? Um, and I may agree. I may not agree. Whatever. In this example, I disagree, obviously. 
and maybe not obviously i don't know but um and then i you know we kind of go through that and i'm like well okay I mean, I just want to be honest, like, I really don't agree Mm -hmm. with your position or why you're doing this. And here's why. And I articulate those reasons. A, B, C, X, Y, Z. There may be something where we um, debate on, like, well, I'm not really completely sure about that, but I can suspend that for right now. And then, usually, if I really care about the person, which all my relationships, I care about the people... I say, well, listen, thank you for trusting me and giving the time to actually reach out and call or text me and tell me this, because that says a lot about the value of that relationship. Mm -hmm. It's not a casual relationship where somebody just, you know, calls you up and goes out of their way to tell you something risky like that especially when they know there's a significant chance you might disagree yeah yeah yeah. or they don't know how you're going to react they may um think well tim might get angry or like you know blither blather for five minutes about how they're going to hell so to speak right yeah you're not gonna be in the uh, place of safety right you're not gonna whatever but i i i express to them i love you thank you i appreciate the gift of the trust that you're showing me because that is a gift Mm. for another person to trust you and to open up and to be vulnerable with their heart and mind and spirit. Mm. And, you know, I want, you know, even though we disagree, call me anytime we can talk about this again. If you're having other problems or you you just want to talk or just go hang out and get drinks or whatever, let me know. And we're still friends. Cause like in the end, your responsibility in this life is to work out your own salvation. Yeah, trembling, and that's it. It's yours. So what your friend does has no bearing. That's between you on, and God. on you and your conversion. Now, I will say, secondarily, are we? So our primary responsibility is to God, to our relationship with Christ, mm-hmm. our, our conversion. But within that context, we have uh, responsibilities to the rest of the church. Yeah, and so, but your only responsibility to your friend is to do what you can to further their calling. And the thing to do is not to demand compliance with your potentially flawed understanding of circumstances. It's to help them engage in like critical thought, critical thinking. Do you believe this? Have you done all the work you can to know that you believe this? Great, I'm here to listen, I'm here to help. You want, if you know, um, getting uh, critical feedback is important. I'll right. let you know if I disagree. That process is the best thing for that person. Getting them to agree with you is not the best thing for that person. That is not the goal. No, because number one, if they haven't done the homework to believe it, right. it's, it's not real anyway. Yeah. Or if, if they're just, if, or if they're just humoring you, if you can, if you can go into a congregation or go into a relationship with a person having no pre-existing trust or right. time spent, make your points about your belief and have them immediately agree. That's, that's fake. Yeah. It's not real. That person, that, that person's opinion Wait becomes almost worthless. Wait till the next guy comes in, right. does the same thing right. you did. Wait. And they're like, oh, it, it's like, uh, it's kind of like how Paul uh, described Athens. Like they're always looking for the next thing or they're eager to hear this or that. It's, 
it's baseless you know we should be helping each other build capacity yes as uh, as converted christians that we should be helping each other think for um for ourselves and, and encouraging our friends to think for themselves and come to their own conclusions because we're all going to be part of the godhead like we're and ultimately we're, they have to be our conclusions right and it's and we shouldn't we shouldn't just be waiting for the kingdom to happen like this is a boot camp you're training for the work in the world tomorrow yeah it's not about like i really i bristle when i hear about getting into the kingdom mm-hmm. it's a very it's a very self-focused right um approach to to the conversion experience god's plan of salvation it's you're part of the um of the uh, the advanced team like you're you're the part of the first wave onto normandy here like right. this you, you're going to be kings and priests in the world tomorrow you have to learn how to lead you have to learn how to think for yourself you have to learn how to be emotionally intelligent and understand what's wrong with you because you're going to be helping people who are also very flawed yeah. navigate their lives and you have to have learned through your life what made you tick why why did i react so poorly or why did i build this why is there this part of me that's broken and always comes out in romantic relationships or my friendships? Right. Oh, because this happened in my family growing up or whenever there was or, an issue. Or we, I'm just simply wired this way and it's a my thing task to overcome it. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Like maybe Whatever. maybe there's not enough information to ascertain how it got there, but you know it's right. there now. And, and um, how do you work against it? Because the other thing too is maybe the thing you're working against, right? Me, me and the... The steamrolling example is one of my smaller issues that I have. It's not one of my big ones. But, you know, there are going to be issues we carry with us till we die. We do not die perfect. No. And so sometimes it's just the process of working on that throughout your whole life that builds the skills. And mm-hmm. But when we don't recognize those things, it makes those relationships yeah. and the disagreeing in love impossible. Yeah. You have to go in humble you have to go or as much humble as possible is the key word there esteeming people higher than yourself because if you go it, and that's the task of the church you got right now right if i always am sort of amazed that if you know you tim or maybe go into a congregation we should be confident with what we believe in general like we should have done our homework we know we don't know everything but right we should we should be doing the work to to study and 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 so if we go and sit someplace and we maybe hear something we don't believe in, mm-hmm. it shouldn't destroy our world. Right. And I'm always sort of um, confused and a little amazed when, when I see people who do fear that. Yeah. Because it makes me wonder, like, well, how, how well established are your beliefs? Well, we've even had moments like that. Um, I can remember a couple of occasions where we're in that exact context and we hear something and we both look at each other and kind of roll our eyes like, okay, that's kind of weird. And then we talk yeah. about it later and hash that, you know, right. like everyone has that capacity. Mm-hmm. I, I'm re- I'm really, I'm very confident that pretty much everybody has that capacity oh, yeah. to critically think and figure things out. I mean, that's why the majority of us within the church of God are in the church of God, because we looked at things that didn't mm-hmm. make sense in society at large with mm-hmm. our upbringings, with whatever religious background we have, whatever we said, you know, that doesn't make sense. And then we searched mm-hmm. or we heard it accidentally, whatever, how, whatever the manifestation of God's calling was that took place. We chose to think differently mm-hmm. and 
exercise that critical thought to learn and grow and develop. That doesn't stop once you find a church and start attending. Right. That and continues that's, through your whole life. And that's a good point, but it's, it's weird and sort of ironic that a body of people who have all, by and large, all come to this similar place because of independence of thought. And then we have this secondary culture that once you're in, there's this sort of pressure to, I don't want to say check your mind at the door, but like there's this sort of pressure where you now want to either fit in or have a loyalty to, to one church of God organization, or maybe you then fear getting quote exposed to a different view in another church of God organization. Whereas mm-hmm. like, I know my parents, they, they grew up Catholic and they came in. Yeah. What's the, what's the threat? Like yeah. you came out of, Catholicism and Christmas and Easter, like you, you risked your whole family disowning you to come right. into this viewpoint. You can go to another church <laughs> yeah. of God organization. I think you can. Where, yeah, you can go to a family weekend and right, <laughs> right. right. And like, if you disagree, disagree. And it's one of those things where you know we talk and about, also be comfortable with disagreeing. Right. And, and I think too few people have developed the capability to simply agree to disagree and move on. Yeah. And still exercise love and concern. And trust, and and also there's a, a component of being able to admit when you're wrong about something because you know I mentioned before you know you should come into a we should have confidence sort of like in our beliefs and have done our homework yeah but there's also I think if you've lived any length of time you have a history of yeah I mean, you know I'm confident I've I've studied I feel like yeah. I've done my due diligence but I also know I'm probably wrong about some things and yeah. when those hit like it's going to be tough to yeah. eat crow and turn around like. You and I have talked about the the turning points where we went from believing, you know, oh, these other groups are somehow lesser, or um, yeah. our group did the best thing, whatever you want to, however you want to phrase it. Very well. And then you come to that moment realizing, crud, like, yeah. I was so off base for so long. Right. Like, man, that's embarrassing. Yeah. And at that point, you're at a you're at a decision point. You can either double down. Yeah. And and refuse to move, mm-hmm. and and just push that that uh, that lingering doubt to the side or you can go okay you know what i'm gonna own this i was wrong what do i do now how do i how do i help this situation (laughs) and i think once you've done that a few times you then just learn you sort of are also confident that you don't know things and that when you find those out okay i'll be willing to tackle that like I'm, i'm not worried about finding out that i was wrong about something right i just sort of know what comes with the territory now? Well, it comes with, first of all, that's just humility, right? Mm-hmm. Which I think is, I mean, any anyone here would agree, um, is a fundamental attribute that you have to develop or else you're not going to be in God's family, mm-hmm. right? Um, second of all, too, you're right in that as as life continues, you're guaranteed to figure out that whatever it is within the realm of religion or faith or business or whatever um you're going to find things that you were a hundred percent certain on mm-hmm. right and then you come to a realization oh well i was wrong mm-hmm. so i mean just just realize that and accept that because that's the way of life that's being an imperfect human mm-hmm. who is not omniscient what one of my <laughs> yeah. one of my dad's um favorite phrases for a long time and i think it's brilliant is um what truth are you afraid of? Because, mm. uh, you know, I grew up in, in worldwide, way past a lot of the splits of the early to mid-90s and um, was with a cadre of people who 
uh, didn't believe the changes, but for one reason or another decided to stay within the organization that mm -hmm. was worldwide and became Grace Communion International. And he talks about when the changes were first hitting in, in worldwide, confronting those rather than just saying, oh, that's ridiculous. It's not true. I'm going to, you know, just dismiss it. He goes, yeah. well, you know what? I have to actually look into what they're saying, right? Yeah. Like, okay, uh, clean on clean meats is uh, not necessary. The law is done away with. Okay, you know what? What do I lose by going, let's go through this exercise. Yeah. What, what information are they sending out? Okay, let yeah. me read it. Can I, can I, do I know why that's wrong? Right. And, and he said that a big thing was, well, what if they're right? Why, why should I be afraid of, of learning truth? Yeah. Now, of course, the end result was that they, on the vast majority of things, sure. were, not, were not correct. I think maybe they, they saw certain dysfunctions in worldwide yeah. and they probably characterized certain things accurately. Mm -hmm. But doctrinally, certainly, they yeah. were not correct. But the, but the idea, why would you be afraid that they might yeah. be? Like you just shouldn't this, shouldn't all of life be about the pursuit of truth mm -hmm. and about and conversion the pursuit of truth the truth about who you are the truth about what what god is trying to accomplish who god is in trying to get closer to yeah. to him yeah now there is you know there's the balance to that you know you're admonished to avoid deception and so on and so forth but to do that doesn't mean that you simply close your mind off and stop studying the way you do that is to study I, yeah i was to gonna say continue yeah. to study to continue to be grounded and that takes time revisiting and learning and developing greater understandings of the nuances of the truth in god's word too that's all that's also brilliant this because it's the we're admonished to guard against deception yes we're not admonished to avoid everything that disagrees with us right and so the way you guard against deception is built is working the muscles to discern using god's holy spirit right. to discern and being able to better navigate things right. and to to analyze information to analyze arguments to if we are studying enough and know why we believe what we believe we're well versed in the scripture that's how you guard against deception mm -hmm. um i think people think you guard against deception by avoiding yeah uh, and that's not that's not what you do well it's you know like the the example of the the bereans who are fair-minded right it's like they took the information in then they go back they do their homework and then realize what's truth and what's not mm -hmm. and i'm sure this is extrapolating beyond that but you know they're probably hit with a ton of different ideas right mm -hmm. in in a culture of pantheism um they get the truth told to them they go back they study and then they figure out what the truth is by reading and understanding god's word that doesn't mean that they haven't explored other options or other ideas or other perspectives they simply exercise mm -hmm. that muscle of discernment and via God's spirit, presumptively, been able to put that together with that exercise to come to a deeper knowledge of the truth. I feel like that's the way, I think it might be a little bit different for, um, for our generation who, who grew up in it. It might be a little bit 
a little different, but mm. certainly for our, our parents' generation, um, yeah, people by the tens of thousands coming into the Church of God sphere, yeah, who who did just that? They yeah. they were searching. They looked into a bunch of different religious views, different yeah. forms of Christianity, different like Eastern philosophy, and they determined through study that no, the Church of God had the compelling um, narrative. It, it had the truth. It was rooted in Scripture, yeah. like. Uh, they, they proved the validity of the Bible and through that exercise got here, we should be continuing with that exercise right. once here. And it's, um, and it's one thing to like, um, avoid engaging in actual evil, right? Like, mm-hmm. of course you don't want to put yourself in actual dangerous circumstances, but the line between meeting more people in the church of yeah. God in different organizations and engaging in like actual evil things mm-hmm. There is, there is such a wide gap between those. Absolutely. I just want to encourage people to um, really do take some time to do some self-examination, perhaps even some journaling. Mm-hmm. Think about what conflicts you've had, what differences of opinion you've had in your personal life. Think about the reactions that you have had to them and consider um was this the best way to handle it? Did I do it from a place of love? Could I have preserved the relationship and preserved unity despite that variance or just difference of opinion? Mm-hmm. Yeah, good advice. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it, man.